Hey everybody, welcome to the YTFT podcast where I encourage people to deal with their stuff. Throughout the episodes of this podcast, you will hear personal stories from myself or people close to me, what we have been through, how we got through it, or maybe even how we are still currently getting through it because this is about progression, not perfection. And to keep it all the way real, what we have been through will truly never depart from us. It is a part of us. It made us who we are today. And any successful person, any healed whole person will tell you that although they don't like a lot of the things that they may have gone through, they wouldn't change it because it made them who they were today. Whether it was being poor, it really became the catalyst to drive them to work hard for their success, Um, whether it was not being parented and it created them to be the parent that they are today. Whatever they went through, most people that I talk to who have healed from their trauma and life experiences, they normally will not want to go back and change it. What we have gone through is a part of our makeup It is a part of the ingredients for the person that we are today, whether that's a good person, a progressive person, or someone who's still hurting. If you're hurting, you're going to demonstrate what you've been through as well. So either way, it's a part of you. It's going to come out of you one way or another. However, we must make the choice to better ourselves for our own personal journeys and goals that we have for ourselves as well as everyone around us because once again hurt people hurt people if you don't heal your own cuts you will bleed on people who did not cut you and that's not fair to the people who encounter you and think about it the people who have hurt you hurt you as a result of something that hurt them. It's an ongoing cycle. And as you look around the world today, there's a lot of hurt people. There's a lot of angry people. And those emotions are results of hurts, traumas, things that they've been through, neglect, not being validated, not being loved, feeling not loved, um, not supported. All of these things are things that we're seeing results of in the world today. It's showing through the news that we hear from school shootings to just general crime to the rates of how high the numbers are, people who are in prison, the people who are suffering from mental health, the people who are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction. It's everywhere. It's prevalent. The schools, the schools are in turmoil right now with the children and the teachers at war. There's no learning going on. There's war going on out in the world. And that is a result of hurt people. People who are not dealing with their stuff. Since this is the first episode, let me tell you, um, give you some background on how YTFT got started. Youth and teachers fighting trauma is something I became well versed in after uh, looking back at some of my life experiences. I was young. I'm fighting my own trauma and as a teacher I was working with children and I began to realize that 
I'm not only fighting my own trauma on a daily basis, but I'm fighting other people's trauma as well. Teachers are the only people who have to face 30 plus different traumas on a daily basis. And I'm speaking from an elementary standpoint because most teachers in the elementary school system, they have their children all day, seven, seven and a half hours a day for 180 days. They're more than likely spending more time with these children than the children are spending at home with their families. Just like any of us who have been any in any type of situation for a long period of time, you begin to experience the real version of people after being around them for a while. Whether it's your job, whether it's your own siblings, your parents, whoever it is, you begin to truly experience them how they were raised over time. That's why they say you don't really know anyone until you live with them. Because the more time you spend with them and the longer and longer and longer it gets, you get to learn everything about them. The good to the bad, the flaws to their strengths, all of it. You get to really get to know them. After a while, the facade that some people are trying to put on, you can no longer put on because you are bound to be caught In a weak moment, a not-so-good moment, maybe you're having a bad day, you didn't get enough sleep, whatever the case may be, your true self is going to be exposed over time. I am open to people combating this, but I haven't experienced anyone who could really tell me because even in jail... You encounter someone, especially not in their best moments, but a lot of times coming from someone whose dad is a correctional officer, you're going in different units, different places. You might be on transportation one day. You might be in a specific unit one day. You are not constantly sitting there with those people seven to eight hours a day for 180 days out of the year. You're not doing it. You might experience someone's trauma when they come in and have a bad attitude or um, just a bad day, whatever the case may be. But it might be for a brief second. It might be for an hour or two. It's not for eight consecutive hours for 180 days out of the year. If so, please let me know. Throughout my teaching experience, I saw the changes from working with children of different demographics, different socioeconomic statuses, all types. I've worked with children from all over, children who had parents who were highly involved, children who didn't have parents involved at all, children who were a part of foster care, in the middle of custody battles, whatever the case may be, I have seen a lot children with health issues I've seen a lot and I learned the most from my kids my kids helped me I love my kids they saved my life a lot of times when I was going through terrible situations in my personal life I would come to to the school and realize how much I was loved 
how much I meant to people just by showing up every single day. So as things began to change, I didn't quite know what to do at all, especially with behavioral children. And I didn't receive a lot of support from administration. So being young and a teacher, I started teaching at 21 years old. I thought that my experiences were solely coming from maybe the school I was at, the administration I was under. So after a few years, I decided to go somewhere else. Went to a charter school. It was the same thing. And at this time, I was battling my own mental health. I had things that were falling apart in my personal life. It was hard to start to put on that facade at the workplace. And then when work starts to fall apart, and that was the only thing that was working, I was on the verge of a breakdown. So I eventually left the charter school because I was experiencing the same thing, but at a heightened expectancy, I guess, because... I was going through so much at home, so it was, I I couldn't take it. I was having panic attacks and so on and so forth. Then I transferred to a mental health facility. And boy, did that open my eyes. The mental health facility that I was, that I got hired to work at was a facility where the children would go from ages 5 to 14. They would come there, get training on how to manage their emotions. They would have physical, occupational therapy. Um, They would have their one-on-one therapy with um, a mental health professional to kind of talk about the things that they've been through in their life. And then they had a teacher, myself, and behavioral consultants that would be in the room with me. And at that job, I had so many experiences with different types of children with different types of behavioral and emotional needs. And then I was going through training after training after training and just learning so much about how children from infancy all the way up are are affected by neglect and physical, emotional, sexual abuse, all types of different things, just uh, being products of the system, Whatever the case may be, which taught me a lot about the kids. It taught me a lot about what was not being taught in the public school setting because these kids were leaving the public school system because they were labeled as not being able to function in a general education classroom. They would come to me. The goal was four months. Some kids would be there so much longer just because they weren't ready to go back to traditional school setting. But coming from the traditional school setting, I realized that teachers are at such a high deficit with learning about mental health. There there are things that we talked about. We would have trainings on homeless children, you know, but we didn't really have a lot of trainings on the side effects, the facts that The kids are not learning if they're hungry. They're not learning if the night before they had experienced really bad physical um, 
domestic abuse, whatever the case may be that they were facing at home, or the simple fact of they might be worried about their parents, they may, you know, be worried about getting adopted, all of these different things um, that they are going through, an adult wouldn't be able to focus, let alone a child. So it just shows how much of a deficit teachers are working at when they walk into a classroom because things are changing. We're not able to stuff anymore. Children are acting out, but they're acting out as a result of what is happening at home. And the longer I was at this mental health facility, I began to come face to face with my trauma, but I was not ready. I began to look at my kids and say, oh my God, that was me. That was me. But that was the furthest I got because I wasn't ready. I kept hearing this voice in the back of my head saying, that was me. That was me. That was me. And there was times that I could cry, I would cry uncontrollably. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So after being there for about a year and a half, that time I also had my own child. My firstborn, my son. It helped me really think deeply about my own trauma and how my own trauma could directly affect my child who did not ask to be here. Unfortunately, I brought my child into this world in a way that I never wanted to bring a child into this world. But it was a result of my trauma. I didn't know it at the time, but it was. And I realized, strike one, I have already brought my child into my mess. So my job was to clean it up. By my mess, and I'll get into it at a later episode, but just to give you perspective, my child was brought into this world already in a broken family because myself and his father had already broken up. And it was evident that he wasn't ready for a relationship. He wasn't anywhere near settling down. And he wasn't even ready to be a parent. All of these things were already evident. And I chose to do things that led to me getting pregnant already. And I was very upset with myself. I put unrealistic expectations on him. I kept letting myself down due to the fact of not dealing with my own traumas. Not realizing that my childhood traumas were affecting me at 27 years old. Things that you stuff down, you never deal with. As a result, you are making decisions from that. I didn't know that. I was just living life the best way that I could. But when I saw this child, when he came into the world... Something just clicked, and I knew I had to do better. I didn't know how I was going to better to do better. I didn't know when. 
I just knew it needed to happen. And so I turned to what the only thing I knew to turn to, which was my faith. I didn't really know how to feel about my faith, considering I strictly had a unresolved issue with the church and I also didn't see a good depiction of faith in my family like we went to church but I never really saw anyone who completely put their life in Christ's hands it was okay we pray when we're in trouble we thank God when things are good so on so forth but to actually relinquish control of their life I had not seen that so I decided to go on a spiritual journey I decided to start with, I didn't really know what that meant. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. This is something that I just started to piece together as I went. Um, And I tried to figure out by process of elimination what was giving me peace, what wasn't giving me peace. The first thing that I decided to create boundaries with was my child's father. Of course, we went through the whole debacle of trying again and figuring out what was going well and what wasn't going well. But in reality, it wasn't going well. He wasn't who he needed to be for myself or our child. So I had to step up because if he's not ready, that's fine. People are ready at their own time, but I had to be responsible for me. So I couldn't, oh, he's not ready. I couldn't put the blame on him because it takes two to tango. It takes two to make the decision and it takes two to finally decide, okay, he's going to do that. So I'm going to do this. It took one decision for me to make for myself and separate myself and not to place blame. I had to accept my side. Okay, acceptance. This is who you decided to have a child by. This is the results of it. How can we now change it? So I decided to place boundaries up. I knew that that relationship didn't serve me anymore. So the relationship had to be cut off. We would have dealings with our child, and that was it. There was no um, what-ifs, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, nothing. It was over. It was done. I had spent long enough. I, I needed to believe what I was seeing and move on. So that's the first thing I decided to do. The second thing I decided to do was let go of other things that did not serve me. So, for example, I knew looking at my son that I wanted him to be around people including myself who were whole and healthy and I didn't quite know how to do that but I knew there were things that hindered me from being my best for example the first thing a mom normally most moms not everybody wants to do is get a sense of being themselves again after having a baby your body is healed You know, you can't do a lot of things. So if you're a drinker, even if it's just special occasions, you can't even do that. Like, you can't go to dinner all the time with your friends because you have a child. You may not have a babysitter. You may not have the money. Or your child may just not need to go out to dinner or they're not in the right mood. Our lives are primarily formed by our child after we have a baby. So... That I was dealing with, and I just wanted to go out one night. My mom came to visit for my birthday, offered to watch my son. Great. 
I went out, I partied. I partied the entire weekend. Had a massive hangover Sunday morning after partying for my birthday. And my mom did not care at all. Didn't even let me recover. As soon as my child was up and willing, she let me sleep for a little bit. But around 8 o'clock in the morning, she brought that baby and put him on my chest. And with a pounding head and a nauseous stomach and an exhausted body, that child laid on my chest, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, looking for some attention. It was right then and there that I realized he doesn't care. He doesn't care what I'm going through. He doesn't care what my emotions are at that time. He doesn't care what I did last night. He doesn't care how I feel physically, emotionally. He does not care. All he cares about is that I am his person. I am the person that is supposed to take care of him, nurture him, love him, no matter what. No matter what is going on in my life, because he did not ask to be here. And after being literally (laughs) physically impaired and not being able to take care of my child when he needed me to, even though he was content with, you know, being near me, being around me, I wasn't able to operate in the way that I needed to operate to take care of him. I was moving slow. I could barely sit up without feeling nauseous to be able to feed him, to be able to nurture him if he wanted to cry. I couldn't do any of that. And of course, 100% of my attention was not on him. And that's when I realized he does not care. Get your stuff together. So I realized that drinking and partying no longer served me. So I had to do away with that as well. In addition to that, I also did away with sex because I began to look around at my life and sex did not find me a man who was ready to be in a relationship. Um, It didn't give me any type of stability in any of my relationships and it gave me a baby and I was a single mom. So ultimately, looking back at my life, Although I had started on a spiritual journey, I had decided to give up sex as well. And these are not things that, oh, just because God said it in the Bible to wait until you get married. This is not why. I literally gave up sex, drinking, partying, all of it because I realized it did not serve me. It didn't get me any steps closer to where I wanted to be in life. It didn't do anything for me. Yes, it was a good time. Yes, I have some good memories, but I also have bad memories. Drinking and partying stalled me from dealing with my stuff. Drinking and partying kept me in circles of friendships, relationships that did not serve me. People who aren't here today when I'm whole and healed and doing better, they're not here. Because we were attracted to each other's brokenness. So... All that did was put me in a situation that I did not want to be in. And it put me further and further away from my goal. So in order to start working towards my goal, I had to give those things up. Now, naturally, 
if you're not drinking anymore, you're not partying anymore, you're a parent now, what are you doing? So that's when I decided to dive deeper into my spirituality and just give it a try. I didn't know what the result was going to be. I didn't know what I was doing, how I was going to do it. But I was going to try something else and see if I got some peace from it, some newfound knowledge from it. And that's exactly what I got. I learned about myself, my family. I learned about generational curses. I learned how trauma can affect your life. I learned that none of the stuff that we're doing today is new. If you go and read the book of Proverbs in the Bible, you will be able to say all the things that they talk about. You'll be able to say, oh man, I did that. Or I know somebody who does that. Or I know this. It's not new. It's not new. The fact that nobody was willing to wait on God and they started creating more issues because they weren't patient. It's not new. It's not. It's not new. People worshiping other gods. It's not new. Having hatred. It's not new. Religious people giving God and Jesus a bad name because they're religious but they're not in relationship. It's not new. I was reading a chapter in Matthew yesterday that Jesus himself said, I am not talking about religion. Jesus said that. This is not about religion. This is about relationship. Having a relationship. But so many of our relationships and our families are broken and we haven't even seen anything even close to a healthy relationship that we can't even fathom having a healthy relationship with our God. And that's where I was. All of my relationships were broken from family to friends, all types of stuff. Some were a result of things that were done to me. Some were things, some were results of things that I had done to other, to other people. And I had to make a decision. Do I want to be a victim or a victor of my trauma? Because I can be a victim. I can be 70 years old saying, I wish I would have done this, but my parents got a divorce when I was younger. I wish I would have done this, but I was sexually abused when I was five years old. I wish I could have done this, but... I was a single mom. No. Eventually, you have to adapt the so what factor. Yes, this happened to me, but so what? I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to move on, and I'm going to become the better version of myself. And the first step was just seeing myself in a better light. The things that people were saying about me, the things that I was saying to myself, I started believing those things. So a lot of the time, I started to really focus on seeing myself the way God sees me. When I mastered that, or at least got a little bit better at that, and stopped putting myself down, I was able to do a little bit more of the things that God was asking me to do. But it took a lot of research. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have an example of any of this in my childhood, or in my adulthood. So it took a lot of research. I would listen to sermons, but I wouldn't listen to sermons from pastors until I researched them. I watched pastors 
um, from videos years before about their personal lives, what they have gone through, what happened, how they dealt with it, how they moved forward, how they ended up where they are today. I I looked to see if there was correlation. If one pastor that I had learned to trust, if they were in cahoots with another pastor, then I knew that my pastor would not talk to this pastor or be in any type of consistent relationship with this pastor if they didn't have some of the same values. So I started to tap into different pastors, looking into their past and just seeing how they've learned, how they've grown, how they've gotten better as people. Because knowing their story, if they were transparent, if they were able to say the things that they've gone through, what their family has dealt with and how they made it through and how sometimes, yeah, the the holiness stuff did not work they may have dropped a couple cursed words that transparency made it seem made my spiritual journey feel a little bit more tangible and we'll talk about this more in future episodes but I wanted to give you a foundation as what as to what I have been through and how I decided to work through it in order to become who I am today to even be qualified enough to talk to you because if you know me I am very quiet. I am very to myself. It was God who qualified me for this. I would have never thought in a million years that I had something to talk about that people wanted to hear. But it was God. Seeing myself the way God sees me and him showing me, you didn't go through that stuff for no reason. You didn't go for that, go through that stuff for it not to turn around and be for your good. I don't know about you. But the stuff that I've gone through in my life, I don't want it to be just to have the only result it had was to hurt me. I want it to have a positive result. Yeah, I went through this. Yeah, it hurt me. But guess what? Now I'm able to help other people. Now I'm able to break generational curses in my family. Now I'm able to help my own kids and teach them the life that I lived so that they don't even have to go through it. They don't have to be 28 before they get it. They can get it much earlier in life because I paid that debt. That's That was my goal. So not only did I need to see myself the way God saw me, but I needed acceptance. That was the hardest part. Because I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with things that you needed to accept. For example... Teaching. Ever since I was, I could talk, I've wanted to be a teacher. I have wanted to teach. I've wanted to work with children. All of it. And when God started to push me out of teaching because he had something on a larger scale for me, I, I was against it. I was pushing against it because if I didn't teach, what was I going to do? I have an undergraduate degree. And a master's degree. A bachelor's and a master's degree. Pertaining to elementary education, curriculum, all of that. My life was going to be in some form of education. And when it started to change course, I didn't know who I was. I was lost. I was angry. I was confused. I was like, hold on, I'm not teaching. I'm a single mom. I'm single I'm not happy like this is not how I planned my life acceptance when we're children 
we have family members who are our heroes. But to grow up and see that they're just flawed, they're wonderful but yet flawed individuals who have made decisions that have in essence destroyed their lives, that's gut-wrenching. To see almost all of the men in my family be destroyed by alcohol and it only gets worse the older that they get, that's detrimental. When as a kid, you were my hero, but now I can't even be around you because you're mean and you're not yourself. That change is detrimental. I will never forget when my dad was going through something and I had to come home and my sister said to me what you're going to see I don't know how but you need to prepare for it and I didn't understand what she meant she just kept saying that just be prepared for what you're going to see when you get home and I didn't understand it Until honestly, recently, which is now over a year later. Seeing your parents or just other family members in a mental and physical state that possibly could have been avoided if they would have just made different changes, different choices in their life crushed my soul to see them in situations where you know they're obviously not happy killed me especially after confronting truth you it's hard to ignore you want to expose other people to it and I had to make the decision I might have to be the villain but I'm going to be the villain with love and I'm going to tell you These are things that you need to change because I don't like seeing you this way. As a child, who wants to say that to their parents, to their families, to their... Who wants to say that? So acceptance was huge. It was not easy, but I needed to deal in truth and be open to change with my own situations and others. But what was also hard about accepting things was once I gave the truth, once I accepted where certain people in my family were, physically, mentally, emotionally, I had to accept that they may not want the change and the truth that I've discovered. My dad suffers from alcoholism. My goal, I would love to see him get some help and be clean and actually live the rest of the time that he has on this earth but acceptance led me to the idea of Shamika what if he doesn't what if he remains an alcoholic and dies as a result of the choices that he made in his life at the end of the day yes he is your father but he is a man first and that man has to deal with the stuff that's causing him to drink and sometimes people would rather not do that That was so hard. So hard. Especially growing up being a daddy's girl. 
that was so hard that you would rather make the decision to continue to drink than to be better for your kids and grandkids. But I had to realize that's a possibility. So it's not easy. It's not easy. But everything that I have learned through this journey is the reason why I created YTFT. Because we're all out here fighting trauma. And sometimes you don't know how. So if I can make anybody else's journey a little bit simpler because you have a little bit of guidance, even if it's just one person, then I've done the job that I came here to do on this earth. I realized as well, all of the people who are advocating for mental health, we need more culturally competent mental health professionals. We need more people who are willing to go to therapy, so on and so forth. Another issue that I came in contact with was, one, I had to be able to accept my truth before I went to therapy because I went to therapy and I lied. There were some things that I was open about, but I had yet to reach acceptance. So there was nothing that a professional could do for me until I accepted the simple fact of, yes, this did happen to me. So there would be questions that they would ask and I would deliberately avoid them, not answer them or answer them just with not the truth due to the simple fact that I wasn't ready to face it. So yes, therapy is key, but you have to be ready for therapy. Number two, when I was atten- when I was going to therapy, I had a good job. I was a teacher. I had insurance. But I went to different types of therapies as well. And I went to private. I went to public. And it got really expensive. Both times, different insurances, because even though I had a good insurance plan and through good insurance companies, because teachers have really good insurance most of the time, I still had to come out of pocket a good chunk of change. So even if I was going once every two weeks, Based on what I was getting paid and the rest of my living expenses, that was still a really big chunk of change from an additional, sometimes it was $60 every time, sometimes it was $120 every time, and that was with insurance. A lot of people who especially need the therapy do not have that type of money. I ran out of money where I couldn't even go anymore. So... That is something else that we have to change. Like, yes, therapy is the answer, but what happens if you don't always have the ability to get the therapy that you need? If you are a face-to-face person, because there's wonderful virtual therapy sessions that are available, but someone like me, I like to actually be able to sit down and converse with the person across from me where I can feel a connection. And if it ends up having to be virtual, that's fine. But at least I've sat down with you. I've talked to you. I felt your energy. We were 
we had a good vibe, all of that. But if I can't do that, sometimes that is key. I just found out that during this COVID-19, one of my family members, um, you know, were on the straight and narrow and decided to go back because everything that they went that was a part of their support system, everything that they did was shut down. Was shut down. That virtual stuff did not do anything for them. So sometimes you just need to to feel that person, whether it's a phone call or you have to sit down and go for uh sit at the park or go for a walk, whatever the case may be, you have to actually feel the energy of the other person in order for things to be successful. So these are just things to think about. And then number three, a lot of the things that people are doing are advocating for people to go into the mental health field, which is wonderful. We need more black therapists. We need we have a lot of people who aren't going to talk to people who do not understand the black family. Understandable. But if we're encouraging high school students right now to go into the mental health profession, what are we going to do with the people right now? Between times, by the time this child in high school graduates high school, goes to college, gets their credentials, and now they're available. What do we do in between time? There's still people who are suffering from mental health and don't know how to do it. There's a lot of people saying, you know, be aware of your mental health. But some people don't even know what that means. When I was going through, when I was a kid, my family didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. Some people did, but my parents didn't talk and I didn't talk. So they didn't know what was going on. My mom to this day will tell you, I didn't know what to do. When I was screaming for her, get me help. My behavior, my actions, I would go after her specifically. And I believe it was because I wanted her to get me help, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And she didn't know what to do. So if nobody knows what to do, nobody is getting help. So we have to teach people what to do with themselves, by themselves, before they can even get to a professional. I still want a professional. After all the work that I've done with just exposing myself to new things, talking to people, getting my own issues out into the world and praying on them and being obedient and acting on them and and confronting people and, and things that just don't serve me anymore or just to get it out in the open so that I can heal, I still am in need of a professional. And I cannot wait to get back there. So therapy is key. A relationship with God is key. But acceptance and being able to understand and accept what happened to you and that it doesn't have to define you, but that you do have to deal with it 
is also key. And that's why I created YTFT to support and create a platform for people who are trying to do this by themselves. Because there is a huge chunk that needs to happen by yourself before you can start talking about it with other people, before you can go see a professional. Even God deals in truth. You cannot come to him pretending that these things did not happen to you because unlike your mental health professional, he knows everything that's happened to you. And he only deals in truth. He doesn't bless who you pretend to be. So he can't heal you. He can't do a work within you until you come as you are. Angry, upset, physically, mentally, abused, exhausted, just done with life, all of it. You have to come as you are. But if you don't know the exact state that there is that you are in, there's nothing that God, a professional, your family member, your friend, there's nothing that nobody can do for you. And that's where the serenity prayer comes in. It's not just for people who are suffering from substance abuse. That's for anybody. I say that on a daily basis. Just in life, there are things that I cannot control. There are things that I wish I could control. And there are things that are actually in my power to control. But I have to accept. Once again, there's that word, acceptance. I have to accept the things that I cannot control. And I have to have the wisdom to know the difference. I wish I could change the world. I really do. But there is some things that I do not have control over. Some things that I can't do right now, but I can do a year from now. Some things that I can't do a year from now that I'll be able to do 10 years from now. But it's all about taking the proper steps. And accepting where you are right there in that moment. And I'm going to have to explain that to my child. I have to accept that I did not bring him into a family. I brought him into a broken home. And as much as all of the things that I'm trying to do to change the trajectory of his life, one thing that is constant is that his father will not ever be in the home with him with us together he will always be a product of a broken family now will i get married and he'll have that bonus dad who is there for him of course he will i'm praying that one day he'll have the luxury of having two dads two men who are there for him and healthy for him and whole for them for him and willing to support him and teach him and nurture him that's abundance right there But nothing will change the trajectory of how it started. And he's going to have to deal with that one day. But I had to accept that and do what I can do only from this moment forward. I'm going to end with two Bible verses. Every episode will end with a Bible verse that is conducive to helping you if you are in a stage where you're trying to battle acceptance, where you're trying to start a spiritual journey, you don't know what's going to happen. You're trying to decide if you want to give God full control 
and relinquish control because after being hurt and putting control in your in someone putting your life in someone else's hands yet again to have the power to hurt you or to harm you is hard but realizing that God is not like people people are fickle God is consistent he is faithful he is never failing being able to realize that will make it even easier so the first bible verse is Isaiah 41:10 so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous hand crucial to remember because as soon as you decide to relinquish control it's not easy it is not easy i promise you it is not easy at all not knowing exactly where to go or even if God did give you instruction it's going to be so big that you're going to even you're going to wonder if you're even able to do it so holding on to his word and what he has said and what's in the bible and what has been proven to be true you have to have things to hold on to So these Bible verses are just to give you a place to start. The second one is Philippians 4, chapter 4, 6, verses 6 and 7. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. These two verses, uh, well, the last verse I read out of the message version, but there are a ton of different versions out there. Um, Read your Bible, pray, make the decision. Acceptance is key. Let go of the things that no longer serve you as well. And I promise you, you will look up one day and realize that even the worst things, God, who is the only one who can do it, God will turn these things around for your good. I didn't just want to survive the trials of my life especially being a single mom I didn't just want to survive it I want to thrive I don't want to just get through my traumas and survive I want to thrive I want to make a difference I want my suffering to have been worth it that's what I want and that's what I intend to get that is my expectation the Bible says that Jesus came for us to have life and life more abundantly. And there are people who don't even have life. They're alive, but they're not living. And they're definitely not living abundantly. I don't want that. That stops here. In my family, you have to make the decision if you want to be the one to stop it in yours. Until, te- until next time, love you all.